Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Hey, everybody, from KQED Public Radio, it's Political Breakdown. I'm Scott Schaefer. And I'm Marisa Lagos. On today's show, we are up in Sacramento today, where it is the home stretch for this year's legislative session. There is a midnight deadline looming for final actions on dozens of bills. And who better to join us, Marisa, for that than a couple of movers and shakers at the state capitol, Dana Williamson, who's currently chief of staff to Governor Gavin Newsom. And Sacramento Mayor Daryl Steinberg, who served as president pro tem of the state senate before Newsom was governor. We're going to get their insights on some of the most important developments in Sacramento this year, namely a plan to revamp California's mental health care system. Exactly. But first of all, uh, Marisa, yes, as always happens at the end of session, lots of uh, last minute deals, amendments of bills, uh, and still plenty of big issues to be resolved, uh, including, of course, uh, some bills involving labor, housing, taxes, uh, a couple of hundred bills, I think, still left. Um, But one of the big uh, resolutions, I guess you could say, that came out this week involving labor. And it's been a very good session for organized labor. But hot there was labor summer. Hot labor summer. It's turning out to be a nice fall as well for them. Uh, but uh, the the deal uh, struck will raise the uh, pay of fast food workers uh, up to uh, $20 an hour. Uh, and it's going to they'll be taking off a ballot measure, a referendum on a law signed by the governor. Uh, that would have been very costly, very nasty, you know, with labor on one side, the fast food industry on the other. And I think this is a great example of of how pressure can be brought to bear to bring everybody to the table to get things done and so that the voters don't have to do it. And I think it's just a better way of making law. Well, not to be like two in the weeds here, but part of the reason this was possible to make this deal was because the governor already signed a bill this session just a few days ago to allow referendums to be taken off the ballot. This follows law a few years ago, doing the same things with initiatives, uh, which Daryl Steinberg, he is mentioning over here without... Uh, <laughs> the great mentioner. <laughs> he, don't no, he wrote don't that come in yet. Originally. We'll talk to him about um, that later. But yeah, I mean, it is it, it, it has really changed that. And now this has really changed the kind of negotiations we see between often now business groups and the legislature. Um, and the other bill we'll be watching is uh, this constitutional amendment 13 uh, got just got sent to Newsom. OK, I'm going to try to explain this very simply. It essentially says that if a ballot measure would increase the amount of voter approval that it uh, yeah, too measures. late. <laughs> I, I, I already messed it up. You know, it's I want to come back to the, refer- the referendum <laughs> thing, because one of the other things that the governor signed uh, is going to change what voters see on the ballot. I think that is huge. Yeah. I think that's huge because, you know, there was Fine, there Josh. was <laughs> I'm saving you here. OK, from uh, going further down that hole. Uh, no, it's instead of seeing the yes, no on referendums, which can be confusing. And sometimes the proponents or opponents make yes it to overturn a law right now yeah, instead of yes to keeping. a law. Yeah. So it's going to be either keep the law or overturn the law. 
be much clearer. And I think that's going to maybe see we'll see fewer referenda on the ballot because now it, it, it's it's a little harder to trick voters, honestly. Yeah. All right. I'm just going to skip ACA 13 for now. We'll talk about that a lot. <laughs> we talked about it a few weeks ago. It's going to be a big fight in 2024 uh, over taxes and the threshold it takes to, to, to pass them. But a couple other labor bills before we move on. One, uh, Senator Newsom will allow lawmakers staff to organize. This is a big priority of former Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez, who's now running uh, labor outside of the building. Uh, another would increase from three to five days the guaranteed sick leave that California workers get. This is in the COVID era. I'm, I'm watching Dana shaking her head, nodding her head, <laughs> reading the tea leaves here. We'll, we'll see. Um, and then the other big one that is not yet to the governor's desk could be voted on in the next few hours. Uh, unemployment benefits for striking workers. Uh, this is something that really gets under the skin of the business yeah, community. Let's, let's have the employers pay for this. But we have a couple right. more. Scott, run us down. There's a few kind of I would say more Funner. fun bills that, that yeah. also might be kind of tough calls yeah. for the governor. Okay, so this one's been on his desk before and he turned thumbs down, but this is another Scott Wiener attempt to decriminalize magic mushrooms, <clears throat> psychedelic mushrooms, um, which are used in therapy for PTSD. Increasingly, Vec- yeah. Increasingly, there is evidence, actually, that it does work well for depression, PTSD, and some other things. Veterans groups are for it. Not surprisingly, law enforcement, not so excited about it. Um, so that we'll see what he does on that. Any any indication? No, Dana's like poker faced. Um, also, another uh, pot related pot bill, uh, the Haney bill to allow. Um, he always says allows pot stores to sell muffins and tea, which makes it sound so wholesome, which it is. Uh, but also have entertainment, uh, and that because th- those clubs are struggling, right. they're, they're having Canada a hard time making money. Oh, look, she's talking. Who, who put her microphone on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cannabis I mean, cafes. Is, yeah, I mean Prop sixty four. Uh, I think was very strict in how it allowed cannabis uh, businesses to operate. This would loosen some of those, um, and Assemblyman Matt Haney says would would really help them out. And then finally. Skittles, Skittles. Uh, a ban on certain additives, including those that are what Skittles use to make yeah. those the rainbow of colors. All I'm saying is don't touch my M&Ms. I don't care what they do with the Skittles. <laughs> OK, we're going to take a short break. And when we return, we're going to be joined by Sacramento Mayor Daryl Steinberg, former lawmaker, of course, as well. And Dana Williamson, a Capitol veteran who is now Governor Gavin Newsom's chief of staff. You're listening to Political Breakdown from KQED Public Radio. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. 
And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. And welcome back to Political Breakdown. I'm Scott Schaefer here with Marisa Lagos. We're up in Sacramento where the legislature is wrapping up its session this week. And who better to talk about the highlights and perhaps the lowlights of the session but a pair of political pros, Sacramento Mayor and former Senate President Pro Tem Daryl Steinberg and political strategist Dana Williamson, Chief of Staff to Governor Newsom. Welcome back, both of you, to Political Breakdown. You've, this is a repeat visit for both of you. We're happy to have you. Thrilled and together. To, thrilled to and be together. here with Dana. Yes. And together. And you guys have so many titles. Jeez. Yeah. Come on. But Let's talk about one of the big issues, of course, that you're grappling with, the legislature is dealing with, uh, has to do with mental health. And it's uh, part of it is a reform of a bill that you, sir, mayor, uh, authored 20 some years ago that was on the ballot, uh, a bill to tax millionaires uh, for money for mental health. Right. Yes, Yes. it it was. Well, before we go into that. And so so now what's on the table now is to take some of that money and use it for housing for people who are suffering mental illness. Why the change? And then we'll talk about the other six billion dollar bond measure in a minute. So back in 2004, I was still in the assembly, actually. Um, We had this idea, had this idea that we ought to go to the voters to uphold the promise that Governor Reagan and the legislature made back in the 1960s when they shut the state mental hospitals to fund a decent system of community mental health care. And of course, for many decades, that promise was unfulfilled. And so we authored and uh, put before the voters Proposition 63, and the voters said yes, 53% of the vote, a tax on, on millionaires. The money started at about $700 million. It's now grown to over $4 billion annually. Um, and it's one of the largest sources of public mental health funding. The original intent was to ensure that the money went to the people who were the sickest of the sick. It was really a, a homeless mental health initiative. That was the motivation. Over the course of 20 years, it has done a lot of good. And... In fact, I would say with the counties who are sort of a a player in all this because the money goes to them, they have spent the money well, in my opinion. The problem has been up until Gavin Newsom became governor, there was no executive leadership, truth be told, that said the state needs to set priorities here. If we want the money to be spent on the homeless mentally ill or people coming in and out of the criminal justice system with serious mental illnesses, then we have to say that. And so that's the essence of the reform here. And I could not be more pleased as the original author of the bill that the governor, Dana, who added a significant piece to this as well, which I'm sure she will talk about, um, that they have taken the mantle that Susan Eggman and the legislature going forward and that this is going to pass, the voters will say yes again, I'm confident, and then we will have an improved 
Mental Behavioral Health Services Act in California. Well, as Scott mentioned, though, Dana, this is not just changing the way Prop 63 funds. This is also a $6.3 billion bond Mm -hmm. with a B. That's a lot of money um, to build treatment beds. Talk about why that's needed and why hasn't $4 billion a year been enough? I mean, what is what what is the problem you guys are trying to solve here? Well, if you if talking about specifically about the bond itself, one of the biggest problems, and you can ask anyone, I mean, Daryl's mayor now, right? And he sees this every day, is there aren't places for people to go. So you end up, folks end up in ERs, they end up in jail, they end up back on the streets. Um, and so this really was that piece that we really needed. Um, and, and it's different from what the old state hospitals were, you know, the sort of really institutionalized settings. These are going to be community-based facilities. Um, some will be buildings that are rebuilt and refurbished. Some will be stood up new and they can take on lots of different forms depending on what a region or a community needs. And again, going back to the promises of Ronald Reagan, that was the whole idea, right? We're going to take people out of state facilities. They're going to go into their communities. They're going to get services, but they're just the as in capacity. And the mental health problem has gotten worse during this yeah. time. Right? And it's changed too. It's the nature of it has changed a little bit. But I'm wondering, you know, um, you mentioned Ronald Reagan, mm-hmm. but counties, you know, are using that money well, and some of that money, as part, if this passes, if the voters pass it, uh, would get diverted to housing. And counties are concerned that you know hundreds of millions of dollars that they would have uh, for services are going to go away. How how do you respond well, to that concern? Well, several ways. Number one, I go back to the original intent of the act, which was to house people and to provide the comprehensive services for people living on the streets with serious mental illness. So this gets back to the original intent. Secondly. The MHSA, as we call it, reform, and the bond is not an isolation. This is now the fifth or sixth year that the governor and the legislature have led on mental health. And they've provided huge number of resources, four-plus billion dollars for a youth mental health initiative, the, what's called Cal-AIM, the Medicaid reform, where now the health care money can be used for a form of wraparound services. And so there's more resources than ever before. And what this change now is a catalyst to actually create a system that is coherent and that provides something for everyone depending on what their needs are. That's the bed thing that Dana was talking about a moment ago. We need... That's the biggest thing at at the local level. We don't have places for people to go. And some people need board and care. Some people can live independently. Some people need, you know, a more secure facility. Well, this bond, together with the MHSA reform, is going to allow us to get a lot more of that. Can I ask, before we get too much further into the weeds of this, like, what... You both are very passionate about this. Is there personal experiences that have made you want to tackle this issue and take it on? I mean, we don't get you in here, Dana, as the chief of staff for every <laughs> issue. Um, I mean, I, listen, I think working on this, you don't, you, you don't talk to a single person that hasn't been touched by mental health issues, whether it's their own personal ones, family members, um, in their work. So I think you could say it's personal to most people people. Um, I think Daryl's been very open about his daughter and his own experiences. I had a particularly tough experience with my husband um, that I learned a lot from. I mean, I was, you know, working for Jay Brown at the time. And when the incident happened with him, I learned about all the holes in the system. And you're a well-resourced person, And I was well-resourced. I mean, I could call literally anyone. Daryl will tell you, I was on the phone with Daryl every day. So, you know, and, I, and once I stepped back from when it happened 
and could look more broadly and and go, okay, wait a minute, like this is crazy. Um, you know, you don't people didn't know who to call to get help. Um, and even if they did, the help wasn't necessarily there in some cases. Right. And the way and there's a there's another bill that's in the legislature um, today too that Susan Eggman is also doing that that adds mental health as to um, the conservatorship laws, which I know is controversial, but the difference is is that right now either only law enforcement or an ER can, you know, take someone in who's really, really gonna harm themselves. But people with a long history of mental health issues um, doesn't qualify for that. Even under the care courts legislation, which we'll get into in a minute. But. Um, no, not under, well, care court's different. That's a different setup. But this is more just the current laws on the books that are, what, 50 years old? They're yeah. 1967. Yeah, they're old. Um, so there's that. Um, <clears throat> but the other things I learned, I mean, it was the beds. I mean, I was on the phone, you know, six hours in a row just find, trying to find space. Hmm. So if that's me, and I can literally call anyone, and you, and you have the money to pay for it, and I had it. the money to pay for it, I all I thought about after the fact was, my God, like my neighbor, that what do people do? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Mira, I don't know if you want to talk about your daughter. Feel free to. But I'm also wondering, you are now the mayor, and you were in the legislature, passing bills and you know supporting or opposing things. And I'm wondering, you know, we asked Jerry Brown this question after he had been mayor of Oakland. How do you see? what Sacramento does. When I say Sacramento, I mean the capital differently now that you're mayor. Well, first of all, you ask about my daughter. She's doing great in life, okay. um, which is a, you know, one of many examples that if we do the right things that uh, people can get better and yeah. live full and productive lives. The other thing personal to me, and I think it's an important point, is that I introduced my first mental health bills before my family was ever affected by this. People think it's the other way around, mm. that I was motivated because of mm. my own personal situation. It was the opposite. And it proves the point that this is about everybody, that everybody knows somebody, every family. And what's happened over 20 years in a good way, not that the stigma is completely busted or over, but, oh, my God, no one would introduce a mental health bill in the legislature yeah. in, in 2000. And now it is the issue of our time, combined with gubernatorial leadership like we've never had before. And all of a sudden, there is the chance to fulfill that promise from the 1960s. To answer your question, Scott, um, I guess the difference is the lawmaking role is to make the law to provide oversight, but then to move on to your next law. As a, a mayor, of course, you see the impact, not just of the law itself, but on whether or not it is implemented in the way it was originally intended. And that gets back to the Mental Health Services Act, Proposition 63. We believed that we were providing funding for the counties to get out into the streets in these encampments and to provide that wraparound model that was the basis for the initiative. And while, again, the counties have spent the money well, that population has not gotten nearly enough focus. So the governor says, and Senator Eggman says, more money for, uh, for housing for people who are unsheltered or at risk of losing their housing, more money for the wraparound service model that we know works, that's the right direction. But on the other hand, I mean, we've we've sort of spelled out that the mental illness crisis does go well beyond visible homelessness and people with very right. extreme problems. I'm just wondering, 
Are we thinking enough about preventing people from getting to that point? Um, obviously, you guys have to walk and chew gum at the same time. But I think some critics would say this is only through the prism of homelessness, no. not through it's, you know preventing younger kids and everyone from it, falling. Go into ahead, that. Dana. Actually, uh, you know, a big component of the reforms. Well, it, it, in the original Prop sixty three did include intervention for kids. Twenty um, percent and. That continues with this, yes. um, because you're absolutely right. It's like get ahead of it, um, talk about it, you know, mm-hmm. make it so that you know folks recognize when someone's struggling and what to do, and there's resources for that in this as well. So it's both, um, and I think to the mayor's point, what we're trying to create is a system. And it's not just this package, but it is Kellyme. It is all of the other components to this, where all of those services are. Um, combined and utilized. You know, disability rights advocates were very concerned this week when some language was stripped out that would have prevented using money from this uh, for involuntary confinement. Mm -hmm. And their idea, their notion was it was a bait and switch, last minute, not enough discussion about it. Thoughts? Can I take this one first? You take this one first, (laughs) yes, of course. Um, Listen, we... We talked to a lot of counties, a lot of advocates, a lot of folks out there, I mean, that had... Lots of opinions and really based on their city or county or region, and it's different everywhere. But we got a lot of feedback about allowing locked beds. Um, And I I will say this. My husband would be dead right now if that was not available. So this isn't about, you know, confining people forever. But sometimes in order for folks to get that immediate treatment and have to... um, they ha- you know, they've got to be in a secure facility. If it had been unsecure in my case, he would have run and been gone. So I think you've got to kind of take it in perspective. I, uh, first of all, the Mental Health Services Act, um, we legislatively amended the law when I was in the legislature to allow the money to be used for services regardless of someone's legal status. So it shouldn't matter. I mean, somebody needs the services, they need the services. MHSA never paid for the custody part of it or the law enforcement part of it, and it still won't. Here's what I can assure people, that the coin of the realm will always be voluntary services because that's what works best over time, and yet it is a continuum. And so there are people who, you know, often because of drugs, by the way, not just uh, mental illness, that are so sick that they're unable to care for themselves. They are a danger to themselves. And so it is appropriate to use those tools. But as so long as the coin of the realm continues to be early intervention and voluntary services with involuntary as a last resort, I think that's the way the system should be. Because in the end, nobody should be living on the streets of California, period. And if we start from that perspective... Then you do whatever it takes on either side to make sure they're not on the street. Right. I mean, it does, though. You brought up substance abuse, and I think that that is a question probably people in the public might have, which is like, what is the interplay here? Because so much of what we see on the streets can be a combination of these two issues. Um, how, right. how does that kind of part of this play into it, given the fentanyl crisis, given what's happening every day? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know... I think continuum was the right word here because you have folks that start off and have mental health issues who decide to use drugs and and then the substance abuse exacerbates that. Um, you have folks who use drugs that cause mental illness. I mean, it runs this broad right. spectrum. Some people are on the streets, but people are doing that in their, you know, in their own lives, too. Um, 
and they go to the ER. Family member takes them to the ER. Um, and there's ultimately probably three days in the ER is not going to be enough. So looking for some other place for folks to get treatment is super important in that case. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Political Breakdown from KQED. I'm Scott Schaefer, here with Marisa Lagos. We're up in Sacramento, where the legislature is making its final push on legislation this year. I should say we're taping this in the afternoon, so things may happen (laughs) between now and midnight. But we're talking with Governor Newsom's Chief of Staff, Dana Williamson, and Sacramento Mayor Daryl Steinberg. This is a fundraising period for KQED Public Radio. For more information, go to kqed.org. I want to ask about cure courts, which uh, is more than a little bit related to all of this. Uh, it was also Susan Eggman was one of the authors of a bill uh, that the governor signed. It passed with huge bipartisan support. Will allow more people to sort of steer folks who have addiction and mental illness on living on the streets into treatment. Um, and I'm just wondering, you know, you said a moment ago there aren't enough beds, and that's the big concern that counties like San Francisco, which are going to go first, like in October, mm-hmm. have. So. I, I, what assurances do you have for these counties that there will be enough beds for these things? Perhaps a $6 billion bond. Perhaps. But that takes a while, <laughs> yeah, right? It does take a while. And the voters have to approve it. But I will say, I mean, some of these cities, they have be- – I mean, they can calibrate in a care court situation, right? You take care court and you're, you're – okay, I – this person is going to get treatment and they can go to here. Where the totality of the problem is so much bigger that that's where the bond comes in and creates this much broader – ability to have rooms. Do you think there will be enough beds coming October for, for these counties that are going first? Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah. Joe, you were a big supporter of this. I'm so. a big supporter of care court. Look, at what, one of the things we know from history is that the collaborative court model works. Yeah. That where um, counties have, and most counties do have mental health courts or substance abuse courts with a tough and compassionate judge, um, that this can be a pathway for somebody to get the help and treatment that they would not otherwise get. And so care court to me is just an extension of that. The challenge with collaborative courts has been there are not enough of them. Mm-hmm. And so now the administration, the Newsom administration and the legislature said, we're going to invest in more pathways for treatment for people. And care court is one way. It's a tool, but an important tool. Um, you know, I, I, I don't say I've changed on this because I've always believed that voluntary services are the way to go. But really, when, when when you look at it from a big picture and you ask yourself, what is it going to take to make sure that people are not freezing to death? Uh, and are being subject to abuse of all kinds out on the streets, the impacts on our communities, then you say whatever tools it takes. And Care Court, I think, is going to be an important and I hope effective Although, tool. Although, to be clear, you're hoping for the black robe effect, right? You can't really, if people say after all this, I don't want to do it, you can't really force them, right? No. Nope. But you can, you can push. Speaking of pushing, this is going to be on the ballot. You do need to convince voters to pass both of these measures. What do you see as the biggest political hurdles, especially given kind of what you've already come through pushing it through the legislature? Um, you know, I've actually seen polling on these issues. No. <laughs> I know you're totally shocked. Um, and the truth is, it's unbelievable how across parties, across Every single demographic, folks want something done. Um, A lot of things going into this that I thought might be politically hard weren't. 
Um, I just I think folks are just ready for change. Um, and again, more people are touched by it. More people are talking about it. Um, there are more people on the streets, so it's just present in everybody's lives now. So I, you know, it should tell you something that we're not afraid to put this on a March ballot in a competitive presidential primary for the Republican side. I think it's got and still think it's going to be okay. Yeah. And it's not a new, it's not a new tax. Yeah. It's simply nope. updating what is already on the it's books. It's reform yeah. and bets. Quick yep. question. We're getting to the end, but how are you going to evaluate this? I mean, you know, the bond measure, let's say it passes. It takes a long time. You got to deal with NIMBYs and, you know, all other kinds of obstacles. I know it's been stream streamlined. There's through some the streamlining. But yeah. yeah. But how, but you know, it, it's going to take yeah, a while, well, even under the best like. of circumstances. Right. Well, on the reform side, there's there's some new accountability measures built in with that um, about where the money goes and how it's spent and, you know, audits and all the things. So I, I do think there's lots of mechanisms on the reform side. On the bond side, yes, it's going to take time to do it. We are actually currently, you know, hoping the voters want to support this, of course, looking at locations and, um, you know, what it would take to build or what it would take to refurbish. So we're doing all that work now. We're sort of hopeful if this passes and the money becomes available that we can get started quickly. One of the less high profile parts of the MHSA modernization is the requirement that the state and the counties work together on specific outcome measures. Mm -hmm. And over time, those outcome measures need to drive uh, any future legislation, right? What the people want People don't expect a cure. They just want it to be better. And if and they, they want action. And they, they, want they want action. action. I yeah. think that's yeah. the biggest piece yep. of this. A little late-breaking information here. Uh, the Senate has just given final approval to the bill allowing striking workers to be eligible for unemployment. That one heads, That hot potato is heading your way, Dana. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so and we'll see. And no doubt there'll be some other things uh, heading to the governor between now and yeah. midnight. Uh, uh, before we wrap, so I take it the governor will be out campaigning for these? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if he were here, he'd tell you this is his biggest priority. And I'm joining him. Yeah, you're, you're <laughs> right. in the road, Mayor. Do you, do you miss being out, like, statewide doing stuff? I still get around a little bit, but, uh, yes, I loved my job as yeah. a legislator. I love being mayor, too, but... It's n- a tough no- job, right? Nothing like having the honor of making law important. <laughs> and yeah, being in Sacramento gives you a little distance from those constituents. Yeah. Uh, uh, the mayor and I are coming full circle because I was working for Jerry Brown when he was pro tem. So we yeah. have a just long pop- history. Musical <laughs> chairs. Musical chairs in here. Thank you guys both yeah, so thank much Thank you both. We know here. you don't uh, do these all the time and to have you both in studio is great. Happy Thanks to so much. Thank you. Thank Dana you. Williamson, Chief of Staff to Governor Newsom and Daryl Steinberg. You have a lot of titles. Mayor is the current one. Former mayor, President mayor, of Just... just <laughs> Daryl. Just Daryl. All right. That'll do it for this edition of Political Breakdown, a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineer today is Christopher Beal. Our producer is Guy Marzarati. I'm Marisa Lagos. And I'm Scott Schaefer. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more 
all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.